You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. The goal of the Massive Report Podcast is to inform and hopefully entertain. The expected goal of this podcast will exceed the goals, if that makes any sense. The story on Saturday at Lower.com was expected goals versus actual goals. It is the Mass Report Podcast here at Saucy Brew Works, our home away from home. We've got Brett with a beer there, so he's good to go. What do you got there? This is the I Love You Buy. They're a kind of right. consistent, hazy IPA, yeah. but this is their peach version. Oh, there you go. The they're last at, of summer. Atlanta United version? Yeah, sure. yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. We are going to talk about Atlanta United, the last of the summer peaches. Squozen into a fine beer choice here at Saucy Brewworks. Squozen? Yeah, I don't think that's a word. Like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast. We do appreciate it. Brett is here, and Murph is here, and Sam is here, and I'm Brian, and we're happy to talk to you about the Columbus crew. we got a lot to get to. Uh, I was pouring over the stats. It's really one stat. Andre Blake, eight saves the other night, winning, or at least getting a point, for his Philadelphia Union at Lower.com, he was absolutely amazing. I haven't seen all the games in the league this year, but I have to think that that's right up there as top goalie performance for one night from a very good goalkeeper, Brad. This is a conversation I've had before with friends in regards to Andre Blake, and it's basically happened since he was drafted, or a couple years after he got drafted, which is... Why the hell is Andre Blake playing in Major League Soccer? <laughs> the dude should be, should be should have been like is like an eight year veteran Champions League veteran in Europe kind of guy, and mm-hmm. I have no idea why he's still in MLS. How old a guy is he? Thirties at least. He's yeah, been in the yeah, league over ten been, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, I have no. It, it makes no sense to me. Um, I know the the Jamaican. Passport thing in, in Europe can sometimes be a little bit of an issue um, relative to some of the you know international domestic caps. Um, 32. Say what? 32. 32. So that makes sense. It, it coming out of, I think, UConn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so about 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I, for me, he's, the be- he's been the best goalkeeper in the league for probably – Seven of those ten-ish years he's been in the league. Yeah, so it's um, probably like Nick Ramondo. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, or when Maddie, when Matt Reese left, yeah. was up there as well. Um, but I mean, he's the heart and soul of their team in terms of of, of def- defense. I think he's um, he's simultaneously like properly rated, but I also think criminally underrated in terms of what he kind of brings to a team. I remember in, not last year, but the year before, 2021, which I think was their Supporter Shield year. Yep. Um, 2020. 2020. was when the Um, the COVID year, because the crew beat them, or they lost before the crew would have played. During the, when they had like 10 guys out with COVID um, in the playoffs. But that year, he, the, he like broke the expected goals algorithm for the first player to ever do that because the amount of saves that he was making that should not have been saves was like, or should not have been saved was like a crazy number. And it was a big reason why they kind of ran away with it. So he's fantastic. I love the guy. And so it's not surprised to see him go out and play well, Um, especially when the crew, you know, create as many opportunities to score as they do. It's also a chance for him to go out and, you know, 
do what he does. Well, the, the numbers bore this out. Crew 2.68 expected goals to Philadelphia's 1.42. Blake makes, makes eight saves. I don't know how many of those were of the spectacular variety, but it seemed like they all were, <laughs> you know. And that's a big number for Philly, too, when you consider they get pretty much a .5 off of the goal, which is a header in a free header inside right. six-yard box, and a essentially breakaway goal one on zero that goes off the crossbar, which is probably another point five. Mm-hmm. So, like, you take away those two chances, the goal and the and the one that the one that went off the crossbar, and they had nothing, absolutely nothing in that game. Yeah, it was kind of the reverse of what we've seen from this team most of the season, right? Like, yeah. they weren't able to score. They defended pretty well. Not that Philly really put a ton forward. I mean, they especially once they got the goal, it was let's get out of here with a point, which is you know. Philly has the way they're going to play, and it's been very successful. Um, you know, I don't know. I left the stadium a little disappointed. Just mm-hmm. like this was an opportunity, I felt like. Uh, not only, you know, in the standings and everything's tight, and we've talked about that throughout the season, but just like kind of to make a statement. The only team that the crew has beaten that's currently ahead of them this year is Cincinnati. Now, you know, they'll get another opportunity with New England. Obviously, had that weird game against Orlando in Orlando a couple weeks ago, but. Like these are the teams you're gonna have to beat, yeah. you know, home and maybe away in the playoffs if you're gonna make a run. Um, and you know, this was an opportunity, and you know, I thought they still played fine. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit concerning when teams, you know, can can kind of shut it down against them like that. And as it turns out, that was a very winnable game, except for abysmal marking on the Philadelphia goal. Yeah, two guys free. Either one of them could have headed the ball into the back of the net. It's just there's no excuse for that. Yeah. I mean, this defense, I've said it a number of times. Like, you know, again, this wasn't a game where they gave up multiple goals, but it still seems to be this team's Achilles heel. And, like, you know, the numbers aren't terrible. What have they given up this year? You know, 43 goals, which, you know, is kind of middle of the pack. By October, that's probably average, right? Yeah. League-wide. But it's yeah. just like the way that teams are able to score. You know, I, I've said it a bunch of times. Like I think the way that they defend best is by having the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, that way the other team, in theory, and they had score. the ball in this match, sixty-seven to thirty-three. Yeah, Philadelphia was perfectly happy with us having the ball. They were resting guys. They're really trying to manage their workload. They've played eight. I think they said on the telecast eight more games because of other competitions than the crew have this year. That is a ton. And they just played midweek. Right. Yeah. So it, it's frustrating because it, it was certainly there for the taking. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, it's Andre Blake. I mean, he was absolutely jaw-dropping great. And you just tip your hat to him. You know, what else are you going to do? Yeah. That, that's a guy that can take you all the way to uh, the last step that that club needs to take is, is a cup. That's a guy you can ride, obviously. Yeah, and I think he, you know, and he's the fact that he's been doing it at a at a at, a, at the level of consistency mm-hmm. that he has been now for an extended period of time speaks to, um, you know, kind of his excellence and 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 kind of a gift it is to be able to watch him um, in a lot of ways, it, it, a frustrating one and an annoying one when you're playing against <laughs> right. him. But I think. Yeah. Uh, um, he's one of the special players in the league and probably doesn't get enough credit even though he is an you know goalkeeper of the year kind of guy yeah. has been i think multiple times 
Um, do you think it's because he's not American? Like, if he were an probably. American and playing for the national team, and you know, like I feel like people would recognize him more because even if he were playing for some a country bigger than Jamaica that had success, you know, if he were Canadian and helped this rise that Canada's had, or if he were Mexican, yeah, I feel like he would get more of that recognition that you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, it's a perplexing thing, and it's it's literally been a joke that I've been like some of my friends we've been making since like 2015. <laughs> you know, it's it's a wild kind of thing to, to kind of see kind of perpetuate even this long. Um, but I, you know, it's to to me it, this game. It was like um, I felt in a lot of ways they were actually they meaning the crew were kind of lucky to come away with a point um, because I thought the I think it's it was a Gazdag who had the breakaway that hit the crossbar. That sounds right. Um, the that I think more often than not that shots in the back of the net and has been since he's been in the league. Uh, and really, since I think Jim Curtin has kind of kind of went in and kind of created the culture that they have, but like it felt the the like the Philly blueprint. Even when they rotate a little bit, which is we're going to go out there, we're going to let you have the ball, we're going to defend in numbers, we're really going to try and counter counter you or transition you to death, and then hopefully we can get Kai Wagner to serve one in and get someone to get on the end of that. Literally, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and like, I think if you look at the way the crew scored, the one goal that Cucho does score, like, that's a 50-50 penalty for me at best. I know it looks like, was it L. Jack Elliott kind of gets an arm out there uh, in the wall of a free kick that the ref, you know, signals to Philly and then goes, hold up, my bad. That's actually a crew free kick. Yeah. Kucher takes a free kick, goes off his arm, kind of, and then it's a penalty and the crew score. Um, it's the modern day handball. Yeah, like it, you on, know, which I, I think is silly, but I think it's you know maybe it's my my you know, maybe my soccer bona fides and age is showing a little bit, but in my brain that doesn't feel like a handball in yeah. any stretch of the imagination, especially because if you look at some of the what some of the you know the referees do when they're setting a wall, they go like. They kind of make the arm motion where they, like, if you put your arm above your head and the ball hits it, it's a penalty. His arm was nowhere near above his head. In yeah. fact, it wasn't even shoulder height. He was doing the chicken dance. So yeah. it's did he make himself bigger? Yeah, probably. But, like, I mean, last year, two years ago, three years ago, right, if right, that hits right. Jonathan Mensah, probably a penalty on the crew. If it's Lucas Elrion taking that free kick and it hits a defender that, you know, an opponent, the crew are absolutely not getting that call. <laughs> but for whatever reason, it seems yeah. like they're on the right side of history right now. Uh, but, yeah, disappointed would be the word I would, I, I would kind of use. I think lucky and a little bit disappointed because we haven't seen the dominance in the final third in terms of finishing and goal scoring against an MLS playoffs caliber team, playoff caliber team with the exception of Orlando and the Cincinnati game. So I think this is a chance for them to go out and be like, wait, well, look, look at the lineup. Philly's running out in the first 60 minutes. Let's put three goals on the back of the net. They won't even bring the A team off the bench. They'll just punt on it and be done with it. And instead, it was they they weren't able to do that, which was kind of frustrating. Well, and and because of the way these two clubs approach this match, Philadelphia not putting all their chips in the middle of the table, we kind of did with our lineup, and now we have two huge games Wednesday and Saturday 
And we'll get to those in a few minutes. But as far as energy expelled in this game, you know, we're going to probably see a different lineup either Wednesday, certainly Wednesday and Saturday. See, I don't know. I would be a little surprised, honestly. Would you? You think the fitness will be fine? I think they've got to roll with what with their best lineup pretty yeah. much the rest of the way. Now, I think there's a few things you can change. Like, I think you can start Christian Ramirez um, and, and bring out, I would assume, Matan, which is the way I would do it anyway. What did you think of his play the other night? I think Matan's fine. Like, I think he does a good job. It's just like when you're going to play, you know, if you, if you don't have Lucas Zellerion, which I think is something that, that people are starting to get a little frustrated about because obviously he did so much for this team and you just don't have that guy right now, right? To create, um, but you know, for me, Matan, he doesn't add enough that Lucas did, and I think when you have another forward out there and Ramirez, who has proven to be pretty good this year, you're more dangerous. Um, now, you know, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm poo-pooing what Matan's done this year because he's been pretty good for this team. And I thought he was fine on Saturday too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, you know, I think like Cucho almost becomes that facilitator, yeah. and I think then you have a bit more. You know, Matan gets caught on the ball from time to time and, and whatnot. But to answer your question, you know, there's I could see that being changed. You know, you could probably rotate the wing backs if you wanted to, but I don't know how much you're going to go beyond to. a Gressel and um, you know, I guess you could start a Sean Zawatsky in the midfield. But given you know, like you're playing New England, I don't know if you want to risk taking one of those guys out. You know, just with how tight it is in this this conference right now. I mean, you know, beyond. I mean, <laughs> the two teams they're playing this week. New England is two points ahead. Atlanta is one point behind the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just can't afford to give up. You know, points right now. And so, going on the road. Yeah, for both. Both games. That's rough. Who made the schedule? It's ridiculous. So I think what we saw the last time we, the crew played three and eight. It was a kind of a good indicator a little bit in some ways of what we might see in this window. The only thing that I would say that's a bit of an issue, and it's something to keep an eye on, the fact is that these are two turf road games. Yeah. Okay, so Atlanta so turf. Probably no Messi is Benz, what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> the Messi will yeah. not be showing up. And Messi might not be showing up the rest yeah, of the year. That's true. Uh, I assume it's very obvious to me that, you know, whatever the check was, the check is cleared for Messi and now we're hanging out, and we're going we're gonna to get good and right before we get back out there. Um, so, you know, the, the, Apple, the Apple TV, you know, subscription boost money check, that obviously hit the bank account at some point in the last, say, 13 days. Um, but, yeah, two turf games. So that will be kind of interesting to see how they manage um, that. I think, personal opinion, New England's turf is pretty neutral i think the 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 foxborough the foxborough road trip in general is a big dumpster fire that's the worst (laughs) one in the league i've said it before on the podcast it's terrible you stay at the holiday inn express slash renaissance at patriot place which is very much like a if you put an nfl stadium in the middle of easton that's exactly what patriot place slash foxborough is like um there's like the, the the new england version of kmart across the street there's a starbucks and that's about it uh, there is a bar Louie. I'm selling it short. There is a bar <laughs> Louie as bar well. Louis. Um, well, if that's your selling point. <laughs> but I think the turf there is relatively good. Um, uh, but, but 
Sweet Mary, Mother of God, that Atlanta turf, something about it is just funky. It is so weird to walk on. It's the weirdest turf I've ever felt in. Is it spongy? It's spongy. It's like varying lengths, kind of. It's it's not, but like it's matted in some places and not in others. Um, they, um, They water it to cool it a little bit. Which is kind of weird. That's a very weird thing to see when it happens. It'd be like a grounds crew out there, like looking like they're watering the infield, and it's you know synthetic grass. <laughs> um, there is not a place in all of MLS that has turf. But when you walk up the field, you have more rubber pellets in your shoes than Atlanta. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. I, I thought the previous three and eight that, that for the most part they went for it. Guys played pretty much all three games. With, Pretty much, you know, they were able to rest some guys in the back end of the middle game because the Chicago game was a blowout. Um, but they, what Murph said is, I think, is especially true. You have to go for it in at least one of these two, probably trying to get a win. And and but you can't afford to go over on either one of these road trips. So uh, they're in a tough. They're, it's a weird spot right now, especially if you're looking at kind of. You know, home game, well, playoffs, that kind of thing. And it's too. worth pointing out, they don't play after Saturday, and they have a week off. So, mm-hmm. you know, that will be in the back of their minds, too. If we can go through and get... You know, so it's we, not a true 3-8, and eight, it's like a 3-12? and 12 it's, of? Yeah, yeah, you've got okay. two games this week, and then you don't play again until the 21st. So, okay. um, okay. you've got, you know, if you can push a little bit more this game, these two games, get four points, get, you know, ideally six... I think then you you know you have time to recover. Now, you know the the one thing that you have to always be, especially late in the year like this, and you bring up the turf, you don't want to get a guy injured, right? Yeah. And so like it's it's very much the you know talking with the the medical team, the sports science data to to make sure you're not putting too much on these guys, and you know obviously the training will be different this week. Um, but yeah, I mean I think Philly took a risk and it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know look. Not to use what two subs. I guess Molino came on late, um, which is a whole nother thing we could talk about. Uh, but you know, he hasn't been a guy who's gone to his bench a ton. You know, he's he's rolled more or less to start, especially here later in the year. Like Jason Russell Rowe wasn't coming off the bench. Why? I, I don't know. So like, I think he's gonna stick with as much as he can with the guys he trusts right now. Well, yeah. I mean, to your point, I'm not. I'm not really understanding the playing time that Kevin Molino is getting at this point. Do we have? Neither is roughly anybody else. What's that? I said neither is roughly anybody else. Yeah. Well, I was just hoping maybe somebody would be able to tell me what I'm missing. Yeah. So I feel like I'm. I'm like a little bit of like Robert Louis Stevenson, like on my treasure island here. I'm. I'm a one man. Kevin Molino repping hot boy summer. Now maybe peaking into fall kind of guy. I tweeted this after the game that I I feel like personally responsible for the man because I have such a I have such a soft spot. Well, one, I, I have a soft spot for anybody who's had catastrophic injury and then oh, come I'm back not from criticizing it, right? that. And I'm at not all. saying anyone the, the others who are disregarding him are are not you know or don't have that. I'm not that's not what I'm saying. Just personally have a soft spot for that. Um, but the the other thing um, for me that I that I really believe um, Kevin, the reason why Kevin Molino is still on this team is because Kevin Molino is about as good of a person as you could possibly have. Um, 
you know, there were stretches, especially last year when this team was bad. They were giving up great goals, and nobody wanted to have anything to do with talking, you know, as to the reason why that might be happening. Literally nobody, with the exception of Kevin Molina, who would step up and do it. Mm-hmm. And they relied on him a number of times, and a lot of times the, guys, the guy asking him those questions was me. Uh, so I always have an appreciation and respect for him to do that. Um, he didn't shy away from him. He, he stood up in, in some people's places who probably should have been there. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, so I'll, I'll always have a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing for me is that I still think the, the Minnesota United Kevin Molino is in there somewhere. You just have to find a spark for it because I think when it when it goes off, I think that to me the benefit outweighs any of the negatives. That if you've managed to spark Kevin Molino and he turns into like seventy five percent of Minnesota United Kevin Molino, the crew win an MLS Cup. Okay, and so play him as much as you possibly can because no one else coming off that bench is probably giving you the potential Mm. that Kevin Molino has. If that makes sense. I so don't think trying you, to keep him somewhat fresh. Just trying to essentially, you know, this is a knife sharpening joke, but you're trying to keep, you're, you're keeping the edge pretty sharp because you want the, you want the bird to still be there, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it may be a little jagged and a little jacked up because every once in a while you're going to get it right one day. Then all of a sudden he's going to come in, he's going to play 20 minutes because two score that goals. That's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah. I tweeted okay. this after the game on Saturday that I, I, I've decided that I'm willing this to be so, that Kevin Molino <laughs> will score okay. an influential goal from this point on through the rest of the, uh, the crew season. Um, but it, it's, it also is relatively obvious, I think, to me, that the burst, that one two step burst that was so dynamic. Um, in the Minnesota United years, and then when he first came to the crew prior to the knee injury, the burst doesn't seem to be there, mm. and that is tough. I think if you put him in some spots, he can be he, he can be dangerous, but you know we've yet to see that. And it seems like a confidence thing too. I mean, True. you think back to the game against Minnesota in the League's Cup. He comes on, he has that opportunity in the box. I think nine times out of ten, he probably scores yeah. that. But just like he hasn't been doing it. You know, who, maybe he's been doing kind of some in practice. Bit, yeah. Right? yeah. Then he takes the penalty kick in the shootout, misses that. And, you know, you just you need something to go right, yeah. especially as you're like trying to come back and your body's not the same as it used to be. And so I do get why he's been given opportunities. And also, he's just a great, as you've talked about before, yeah. he's just a great locker room guy. Like, you want to have that guy involved. Not that he wouldn't be if he wasn't involved. But I think at some point, you have to make the decision, okay. Who gives us the most when we're going to need it? Right. Is it him? Is it, you know, uh, a Jason Russell Rowe, who obviously is a different player, but, mm. um, you know, w- what can impact winning the most, especially as we get closer to playoffs and then in the playoffs where that's all that matters? That's one of the things where when I, when I think of, like, impact kind of annoying dynamic player in the box, like, in my mind, my brain goes immediately to Matan. Mm-hmm. I would rather see Matan come off the bench at, like, 65 and essentially, like, you know what? We don't care if you turn the ball over eight times. We are asking you to go at people because we want you to create, like, 1.15 chances in these last 20 minutes. That's what he did when he played a lot during that injury-ridden year under Kale Porter mm-hmm. before he got banished into nowhere, Berg. But, like, that I feel like could be maybe more his role because I, I don't see him as, like, a starter in, or like a supplemental piece 
to essentially pick up um, or fill the void that Lucas Elrond has kind of left, right? He's just like, oh, you're taking you're taking 25% from Diego Rossi, you're so to to fill to fill Zellerion's gap. You're asking Matan to do 50, and then like 10 from Nagby and 10 from Cucho, and like hopefully that works. It's like I don't really see that being a thing. Yeah. I don't mm. really see that happening. Mm. So I think some combo of Matan and Molino off the bench makes a lot more sense okay. for me, especially as you know we kind of get towards the nitty gritty here, uh, because I think Matan can be dangerous, especially when you see some of that triangle combination, um, you know, with uh, with a wing back, right? Where essentially you know playing a ball and then kind of a you know two second man running kind of ball, right, to get in behind and then have a cutback on the goal. When he's in that position, and we've seen this since he's been a, a, a crew player, when Matan is in that spot, running and then looking to cut the ball back, he's one of the best guys in the league, and that's a big reason why he has all those assist numbers that he has this mm-hmm. year, because that's where that pass right there, that's where most of them have, have come from. Yeah, and to me, and I, I think I said this when the Dezelrayon stuff all went down, was like, like, this offense is peak in this current form, I think we see next season. Like when they have a full preseason to work together and Wilfred really gets to figure it out. Like anything, you know, if they can make a run in the playoffs, you know, obviously winning MLS Cup would be huge. But just like if this group can make a run together, I think that's a really positive sign. And I think they will. I think, you know, I'm still positive about this team in general. Same. But like to me, you know, you you had something going, you you did break it up, and there are reasons behind that. Like I think that it probably finds its kind of final form more so next year. Now again, that doesn't mean that they can't figure out ways to win right. games in the playoffs and, and whatnot. But I think they will be more dangerous as an offense and have figured out kind of the roles. And we'll know more. Like all right, Christian Ramirez is the guy. And Matan's coming off the bench to your point, Brad. Or or you know however they figure it out. Yeah. And like I still don't even know really. And obviously it's very fluid. But like what guys are doing. And I like what is Rossi best at for yeah. this group well, right now. I was now. just going to ask, it's the question I ask every week now, sort of a rolling average, a rolling report card on him. How did he look the other night? How is he fitting in? Yeah, I think he's been good. I just, you know, joining, especially not having a ton of success at Fenerbahce, coming to this new team, you know, it's it's not easy to come in mid I mean, we've seen a lot of guys come to MLS midseason and not have a good you know, first year, and sometimes it doesn't work at all. So obviously he's familiar with this league, playing for LA and whatnot. So I think that helps. But look, I think he's been good. Is he scoring the goals at the rate that you probably hoped? No, but I mean, Cucho hasn't been doing that right. until kind of recently either. So uh, I like, you know, I still think the trade in the long run is going to turn out to be the right right move to make. It just may, you know, did they maybe punt a little bit on what? the ceiling could have been for this year's team offensively at the very least maybe but you know if if you can now be a consistently really good offense for the next four or five years because of that you know assuming you keep these guys together and and whatnot then i think it it works out i think what you're seeing what we are seeing from rossi is a lot or is very similar to what we saw from the guys during March, April, right? Where it, like, it was very obvious that there was a learning curve going on mm-hmm. in terms yeah, of yeah, for sure. the, um, the cohesiveness and the consistency and what they were asking to, to kind of of those guys in those early months. And then as they got more comfortable with step one, 
all of a sudden, step two gets spoon-fed, step three, step four, beyond yada, yada, yada. Um, it's, I think it's pretty obvious that we're, Diego Rossi is like kind of at the beginning of that still. Well, everyone, so he's at step one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Everyone else is like mm-hmm. five, right? Yeah. And so uh, that, I think, is one of the reasons why it maybe doesn't look super sharp. Um, sometimes it feels like it's like nine guys and him out there a little bit. Um, there have been a couple of different times where, um, and I think this is this is more of an example of how kind of good Lucas is and was, where like I ex- like I expect like the ball to go to him and he's thirty yards wider. Mm-hmm. This is probably too big of a number. Ten but, yards yeah, yeah. wider, and it's like y- like you're kind of like retraining your eyes a little bit to like where this guy plays relative or con- compared to where Lucas played. Um, but the thing, the thing that, you know, to me that, you know, I think works is that looks, that looks good was that he's fit. He's bought in. I think it's super obvious that he's bought in. Um, and there, there have been moments in flashes where it looks like this is the Diego Rossi from LAFC that people thought was going to shatter the transfer record kind of kind of guy. And the fact that we're seeing those bits, those moments, is, I think, promising. Does it mean Diego Rossi goes from step one to three to five by the time the playoffs roll around? Probably not. Maybe that's a 2024 Massive Report podcast <laughs> conversation. Probably. Um, but I think if, even if you get him to maybe like two step two and a half, that's probably better for everybody than, than, you know, trying to, you know, kind of dribble him in, sprinkle him in, yeah. you know, when he ended up coming into the team. And his pressing, I think, is the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you want to be scoring goals, but, you know, it's just something Lucas wasn't doing. We talked about that at the mm-hmm. time. And, you know, he just, that's not the type of player he was. That's not what he was originally brought in here to do. And he's an older guy. And so, you know, it just fits what Wilfried wants from that front group more and maybe that is why because Matan is willing to do that too not that Christian Ramirez doesn't but you know maybe that's why they've gone with with a Matan in there a bit more um, recently but no I think is it perfect is it everything they hoped it would be right now no but I think he's he's been good I think and I think the chemistry of those guys mm-hmm. is getting there well, at least we don't have chaos like the New England Revolution. We talked last week about Bruce Arena, and we don't really need to go into that again. When you look at what's different the last five weeks for the Revs, they sold off Jordi Petrovic to Chelsea, their goalkeeper. And since then, their results have not been good at all. Their uh, goalie is a guy by the name of Earl Edwards, who sounds like a bowler, like a professional <laughs> bowler to me, not a goalie. Obviously, Petrovic was a nice player because they sold him for a lot of money to Chelsea. And, you know, their their last few results, they did beat Charlotte the other night, 2-1. Tied the fire, 2-2. Lost to lowly Colorado, 2-1. Drew with Minnesota, 1-1. New England, 2. Austin, 2. So, really, I mean, in the midst of the coaching chaos, I think selling off their, their goalkeeper has been kind of a huge blow to this club. It's kind of weird. I keep waiting for, because it, they've had three big 
got uh, three big transfer fees mm-hmm. now in the last yeah. three years. Tejan Buchanan, um, Matty Turner, and now Petrovic. It's like, okay, we're, that's big money coming in that you paid like a penny for. We're, they're not spending it on wide receivers you know, or quarterbacks. Where, where, or the Patriots. Like, is, oh, there's a there. I almost made a very in poor taste Bob Kraft joke there. Um, but, We're all uh, pulling for you. But I that. You all right? Uh, yeah, we we'll Here, get there. Sit, take a sip of that beer. Uh, I didn't make it. That was not me, but. Uh, yeah, that you know the. Was that what you were going for? You, said, you know, you. That's what I'm here for. It was a massage adjacent joke. There, yeah. See, um, I just did it for you, so you could maintain some sort of decorum for yourself. <laughs> reputation. I, my reputation was gone a long time. No, ago. you know what? So it, it doesn't matter. I don't. I don't believe that for a second. But the, yeah, I don't know. It's. It's like they kind of feel. They. I don't know. They've made what probably thirty million dollars off of transfers yeah. in the last three I mean, years. It's weird how um, less how the money actually gets to the team. Right. They certainly made. Good amount of money. As, uh, maybe maybe the Matty Turner check hasn't cleared yet. Uh, the messy one cleared real fast, but I yeah, guess that right. one's still coming in. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's you know I, the one of the weird. I think it, this is the weirdest MLS story I can remember in a long time. Um, especially given the information gap that we have, the void, so to speak. Um, and why Bruce's exit happened, and then with Richie Williams coming in, who I called Richie Smalling in the last podcast, which is a <laughs> super dumb mea culpa there. Um, usually pretty good with the Indiana guys, but I, that that was that was brain fart on my part. Um, and now it's um, the interim coach is uh, P P E A Y. I forget his first name. Yeah. Isaac, maybe Isaac P. Um, the I, I don't know. It's chaos. They still have Clint, um, Clint P, P-E-A-Y. I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, is the interim guy in charge of the team. I, w- I think by the end of the year, they're probably cleaning house with the entire front, front office because of how much of a dumpster fire that whole thing kind of ended up being. Um, weird schedule coming into this game. I thought they were kind of done. They were did a little dirty there with a, a couple Western Conference team games. Um, one at altitude, and then uh, one in the heat of Texas, and all that other. And junk. at Minnesota. Yeah, that was brutal. I, if I were if I were them, I'd have been mega pissed. Um, where kind of that one fell in the schedule. Um, but like with everything with New England, it it comes back to uh, how do you manage their their width in the wing back attack. Um, the, the guys that they have, the depth that they've been able to create over the last, like, eight years in that position has been outrageous. And then Carlos Hill is still, I think, the half-turn god, half-space god in MLS, and I don't think anybody comes even close to him. And I'm, and I'm adding Leo Messi in that kind of, kind of space. Um, but one of the things that I think with this game being there – if you look at the crew over the last couple of years, there's been a decent amount of success with them in Foxborough over the last yeah. handful of years. You think about the Aloy Room game where he was on on one leg, you know, <laughs> blew out a hamstring on a goal kick, which is like the only I've only seen that happen two times in in, in soccer viewing ever, and it happened to Aloy Room twice. 
Um, which uh, with a soft tissue injury to a goalkeeper, I've only seen it happen twice and happened to the same guy. Um, but on one leg, making all those saves to preserve a late, uh, uh, a late uh, shutout, or not a uh, late shutout, but a late draw. And then Eric Hurtado scoring, Jesse Zardes scoring late to, to, to kind of mm-hmm. tie games in back-to-back years. So I think there's some good success there. Uh, and I think if I were the crew, that's probably the one I'm circling a little bit to try and go for. I'm not saying they're necessarily ripe for the picking, even though I think, you know, the smoke is maybe there's maybe some fire where that smoke is. But well, despite all the it. chaos, they're still two points ahead of us. That's a playoff team, literally, just like we are. So all is not lost. You no. know, I mean, it's not like they're Toronto or something. Um, and that's a team with. As you say, some professionals on it. I just question their goalkeeping right now. I think the goals should be there for the crew on Wednesday night. What now? You mentioned the turf there, and you know the surroundings and the yeah. lack of places to go out. The games over the years that I've seen on TV, it just the atmosphere seems morgue-like. Yeah, well, it's you're too a, big a stadium. Yes, and, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, just it, you're in a you're in a massive football stadium, and like. We've seen some success with that. Seattle, obviously, Atlanta. But, like, this is not a team that's done that. I mean, even when they've been really good, you know, you're not filling the lower bowl and and creating an atmosphere. Uh, I've never been there personally, but I know, you know, we've talked, Brett and I, you've talked about it on here. I've talked to other people that have gone there. I remember talking to Matt Reese when he was an assistant coach here just about, you know, obviously he's played there for a long time. Uh, yes, he was not. He was <laughs> at New England for a long time, was not in Columbus for a long time. Uh, and just like playing about how miserable he thought it was to have to drive all the way out there to play in this football stadium that no one like no one wanted to do it. Every, they'd rather play on the road sometimes yeah, than really. deal with it there. So it, as far as the map goes, if if the Columbus crew were having to travel to their home stadium, what would the drive be like distance-wise? So this if is, they lived in Boston. Okay, so you know, so it's probably about 40 minutes yeah, from the city center of Boston. It's pretty. If you were to look at it on a map, and this is where the, some of my New England bona fides are gonna are gonna <laughs> pay off here. Um, a shout out to my wife for living in Providence, Rhode Island, for for a couple years. It's pretty much Foxborough is pretty much right in the middle. If you were to draw a straight line from Prov, Providence, Rhode Island, to Boston, Foxborough is pretty much right in the middle. Um, so it's, I would say it's about 45 minutes from... And the traffic sucks in Boston. It's all so. 95 the yeah. whole way. Um, you know, America's the eastern seaboard's, you know, favorite, favorite interstate. Um, the, a lot of the guys uh, over the years lived in Providence or Pawtucket, which is uh, kind of an eastern yeah. suburb of it, rather than live in Boston because it was easier to go northeast <laughs> on 95 yeah. than come southwest out of Boston yeah. to get to Foxborough. So it's a hassle for them. The atmosphere is terrible. And I've just never, I mean, it would be a lot like driving. Crowd? It'd be a lot like, you know, crew players like driving to Newark. Yeah. For a game, okay. if they lived like downtown, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that would be kind of a similar comp for the me. Near crew, um, but it, it's it, it can't be it, it it and and and, it, and if you have been there, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. It is such a weird place, and then you add on top of the fact that pretty much everybody, and I'm talking about everyone, all the Revs fans, all those people are coming from somewhere, driving. 
parking, then going into the game, that there's like an energy there that that you that like you know the the stadiums that are downtown that have kind of an organic kind of walking grassroots tailgate type of feel. They don't have that there, yeah. mm-hmm. which is too bad because they're an MLS OG. I think they. They're drawing 22,000, almost 22,500. They have, like, that's literally took the words right out of my mouth. Regardless of all of that, in in spite of all of that, they still have had really good success. They've been relatively successful in terms of on-field results. Don't think they've won an MLS Cup, which is probably the one thing they're missing. They are the Buffalo Bills. They are, yes. (laughs) But the... They still get people there, yeah. which I think is pretty amazing. It doesn't like, look like a lot when you like, see it no, on TV. You're, you're I kind of wonder if you were to put like a, if you were to, you know, imminent domain X amount of acres you need to build a stadium and put, put it in Dorchester in Boston, do you have the same pole? Probably not. I think it would look a lot different. Um, but there's something about it that I think also kind of works for me. I, I don't know. I, every time I've been there, I dog on it all the time. It's a bad road trip. But there's also some nostalgia. You know, you got the the dudes with the muskets and they're doing their own thing. And then, like, everybody, like, their main supporter group is behind that one goal, which is where the behind where the Patriots locker room is. So, like, the whole thing is kind of funky. Um, but, it, you know, in spite of all of its quirk, it does seem to work, and I think they deserve some credit for that. And, and I, their fans, especially, they probably deserve better in terms of a, you know having a soccer-specific stadium and all of that. Uh, but what they've managed to create, atmosphere-wise, while also being essentially like Foxborough Easton, pretty good. Gotcha. Pretty good. So, give me a couple of keys on the field on Wednesday to coming away with a win. That's so hard for us to do on the road. But, you know, we'd like it to happen. What do we need to do? The further you get Carlos Hill away from goal, the better. So the one of the things that he uh, has a tendency to do is if he doesn't necessarily – this is a kind of an ambiguous phrase that we hear in soccer all the time. Um, but, like, if he doesn't find the game early uh, in some of those half spaces, in some of those pockets, in the attacking third, he will drop infield to go find it. And he's done that since he's been MLS – the further you get him away from goal, usually that means good things for whoever they're playing because then he can't kind of create from there. Give him the Jesus Ferreira so, treatment. What? <clears throat> Give him the Jesus Ferreira treatment. Yeah, right. Like it's, So that's a good blueprint for what we want to do You want to draw him out. It's Because essentially it, the, when, you, when you draw him out, you negate their width um, that they have that's so dynamic with the attacking wingbacks, right? And then... And, and, you know, kind of the, 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 the plethora of dudes that they've had, because I think they've been always been relatively weak through the spine um, since Heel's been there. Um, and kind of, the, kind of the revolving door that they've have had in terms of kind of the tip of the spear striker-wise as well. So, um, but if he's dynamic and dangerous and kind of having one guy on one hip and then turning out the other... It's going to be a long night because he can chop people up Then he's serving balls in with the left foot um, or he's bending a ball to the far, put to the far stick and scoring basically every time. Um, 
So you have to be able to kind of gum up that and bring him further away from goal so is as gonna early be a, as possible. A busy night for Aiden Morris again, and maybe that's why he came off early on Saturday than we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a group effort to handle a guy like that in general, but certainly you know important for for Aiden. I mean, Darlington as well in there. I mean, to you know, to me, if he they want to go on the road and they want to play the same way, right? This yeah. is what Wilfred Nancy talks about time. So, like, getting control of the ball and limiting what the other team does. I talked about it earlier. Their best defense is possession. So if they can just keep the ball, as Brett said, keep New England, keep heel away from your goal, like, that's your best recipe for success on the road. Now, you know, obviously you need to score some goals and whatnot, and that hasn't always happened on the road, but... Um, you know, I, I think the key in both of these games is going to be just keeping the ball, frustrating the opponent a little bit. Because I, I don't think they can do what Philly did and just, like, defend and hope for a great game from Patrick Schulte because just that's not how they're built. Um, and so I think, you know, that's going to probably be what, what they do. And then you hope that this offense clicks on that night and, and it has more often than not and you get some goals. Mm. All right, we'll make our picks on that one here in a few minutes. We go to Atlanta on Saturday night. Uh, this is a place where uh, memory serves serves up weird goals and perhaps the most entertaining nil-nil game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that playoff game yeah. against Atlanta a few years back before COVID. I still think about that game. And people uh, who, who don't watch soccer are like, well, how can you be so excited about a 0-0 game? <laughs> I, you don't understand. That thing had me on the edge of my seat for 90 minutes. It was outstanding. Um, so it's a place where we've gotten some good results and some strange things have happened. And we return there on Saturday night. Atlanta's run of form, a win over Montreal 4-1. Draw with D.C. United 1-1. Uh, beat Miami 5-2. I'm guessing that Messi did not play in that game. No. Atlanta 2 and Dallas 2. So uh, and they still have Brad Guzan in goal. He should be celebrating his 40th birthday here pretty soon. And he is just, they, they are uh, bound and determined to put him between the pipes, and he's just not very good anymore, is he, Brad? I, I, would, I, would, I think he, for what they get out of him, especially some of the intangible stuff, he's actually probably okay. Um, well, maybe it's the, just when I see him. The there definitely he's not he's not the Aston Villa Brad Guzan anymore. Um, but um, the Chivas USA Brad Guzan. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was hoping you would say that. That's great. Um, as a uh, yeah, my you know you mentioned him and my left Achilles starts aching as a as a fellow a fellow Achilles blower outer. Um, you know I always appreciate him, but the. Uh, um, I don't know if this is the last year. I think it might be the one. He, he kind of hinted at it on, during the MLS 360 stuff when, when Sasha questioned, kind of ribbed him a little bit about being the old man in, in yeah. the league and all that, that it may, this might be the last ride. Um, but I think, it, for me, this Atlanta United team, I'm, I'm still shocked Tiago Almada, Almada is still around. I don't quite understand how... Did they like? Why is he still here? I mean, he should be on like, he should be like playing for like Atletico Madrid right now or Sevilla or I don't know. 
Benfica, insert random European Champions League. What you're saying is he's too good for this league. Yeah, I mean, he should have broke the transfer, the, the MLS transfer record this summer, and yet it didn't quite happen. And, and and I don't know exactly why. It was a little bit cumbersome. I think he was kind of nursing something a little bit. Um, but I mean, he's still. I think when when this MLS season is over, he will break that MLS transfer fee. He's the guy you have to keep an eye out on. You know, we, all, we talk about a lot about you know guys coming into MLS and, and struggling and how that transition period is really important. Um, Gia Kamakis, who's the their striker, has like proved that to be absolutely untrue because he basically showed up on MLS and started scoring in goals, scoring goals like it was nothing, popping them in like crazy and looking like Zlatan at times out, out there. Um, they're super dangerous. They have Brooks Lennon. Whenever Brooks Lennon's on the field, they've mm-hmm. used him a little bit differently at times, which has kind of been wild. Um, How so? He's been in mid- central midfield a little bit. If you remember what what Julian it's Gressel like I was just gonna say, what yeah. did uh, in Vancouver when they were kind of CDMing him to death, and maybe one of the reasons why they ran him out of town. Um, you know, those were kind of the one A one B in terms of right wing back guys who are the best in the league in yeah. terms of Julian Gressel and Brooks Lennon, and then all of a sudden they throw him in defensive midfielder, and that doesn't make any damn sense. But um, they, they've used him a little bit differently, but anytime he's on the field, I feel like they're dangerous. Um, but similar to New England, there are good vibes for this crew team in that stadium. I think about one of my favorite, one of my favorite times ever, um, road trips ever, was when the crew won there in 2022 may 28th 2022 remember the the wow the dates burned into my brain because it was uh it was jonathan mensa off a corner kick which was like the first good corner we had seen in like a year and a half because <laughs> yeah. dot, 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 pedro santos took it yeah um that mensa headed in and then like this like Punt and hope. Very, you know, if, if, if you ever watched a youth soccer game and you hear parents yell, send it, this is exactly what happened. There was a send ball from Derek Etienne to Eric Hurtado, who chopped up that random, very angry guy that, like, elbowed a bunch of people, got, like, six red cards, something so sorry, I forget his name, yeah. chopped him up and then bent one of the far stick. They won 2-1 in that game. And then that was, a, that was also the game where... Um, uh, Artur stuck his leg in to kind of kick a ball away, punch a ball away from Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer kicked it anyway and broke Artur's leg uh, in that game. We had to help him onto the bus and onto the plane to get him th- when we left there because he was in so much pain. Um, but they've won there. They've had success. The The playoff victory, I think, is something that we all think about all the time. Yeah. I could tell you exactly where I was when that game happened. Um, Hopper House going out of my mind screaming and everybody in the bar looking at me going like, what the hell was that dude, dude doing right now? Because uh, there's one TV of like the 10 that were there that were <laughs> yeah. showing the game. Yeah. Um, well, now you couldn't do that because it's on Apple TV and I yes. doubt Hopper House has subscribed to Apple yeah. TV+. Plus. No free ads, but shout out to Hopper House for having the game there. But um, yeah, so I think, I think there's good vibes in both these places. It's a great road trip. The players love it. Downtown Atlanta is really cool. Um, loud. Loud. The atmosphere's outrageously good. Um, the crew totally. Much love and respect to all of our crew front office fans and the marketing and the ideas people. But they absolutely, positively stole the bust the crew guys in and let them walk through into the stadium idea from Atlanta United because that's they're the first team I've ever seen to do that for home games. 
They go to their facility. They all load up on buses. They're all wearing the same blue suit, white white shirt, red tie. They walk <laughs> through everybody on the end of the sta- on the way into the stadium. Crew totally stole that idea from them. It, Do it works. you it's great. know which locker room they will be able to use, and if there is perhaps a celebrity or somebody just oh living God, in the stadium? Oh God, I forgot that. You took the words right out of my mouth. You never know when Con- Kanye might be sleeping. You know, doing a creative <laughs> oh process. Oh my God, kind of I totally thing. forgot about um, that. <laughs> they're wearing I, a pantyhose for a mask. So the best. So the I've, I've, the there's something about the the energy in Atlanta that makes makes things a little bit unpredictable and fun. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story. But um, my photographer Andrew, who was on the road with me for years when when we were doing the TV broadcast, loved the Atlanta road trip because something always kind of fun and funky happened. And if you've ever met Andrew. Um, you know, was was not afraid of the quirk and, and you know, in the weirdos. Um, but when we were there back, uh, I think it was last year, um, found a Hooters in downtown Atlanta that the owner yeah. or the manager that night just decided to stay open well past the time they were supposed to close. <laughs> Ended up at Magic City. And if you know what Magic City is, I will leave it at that. Uh, and then caught an Uber at like five o'clock in the morning back to his hotel. Um, day of, essentially, uh, for the game. <laughs> ah. There's something about Atlanta that just that just works, man, yeah. and the players love it. I think the Atlanta United guys absolutely dig it as well. Um, I would expect that game to be super fun and really back and forth. Um, and and I think if, if, if I'm looking at kind of the two games, um, a fresh crew against a relatively fresh Atlanta United team, that might be the game of the entire kind of match day week for in, across all of MLS. That one's yeah. going to be absolute chaos and super fun. And Atlanta will certainly have burned into their brain this past March when we drilled the shorthanded Atlanta United. Yes. Six to one, if you remember that. They were missing how many guys? I'm trying to remember. Like four starters. Quite a yeah. few. Rain delay before that, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So Let's not talk about rain delay. <laughs> well, it shouldn't happen in Yeah, it should be Mercedes good down Benz there Stadium. in Atlanta. Well, that should be a fun match. Both of these are important, and they should be very entertaining. Usually our games are. And regardless of who's doing the Apple telecast, they seem to be kind of catching on to the fact, hey, these games are kind of fun. Had you done your research and watched some tape, yeah. you probably would have already known that. But... Um, Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? Sorry, I cut you off there. Isn't it funny? All of a sudden, in the last like four to five weeks, if you look at the the graphic that MLS Comms puts out every single week, the crew aren't in the bottom half of that graphic anymore. They keep inching up a little bit further and further and further. Isn't it funny how that works? Yeah. Yeah. Dot dot dot. (laughs) It's good TV. I was surprised to see Taylor Twelman in like in house. TT uh, and Jakey Z, baby. Like, yeah. Wait, what is happening? Uh, I, I was I was shocked that Jake could even you know talk without saying the word messy. You know, it was incredible. <laughs> and then when they cut to Taylor Swift in the box, you know, <laughs> you, you can't show sports now without her. <laughs> Taylor coming Swift up. is here. All right, let's make our picks and get out of here because it's almost time for Monday Night Football. Uh, let's start with New England, uh, Brett. So I, I, I've dogged on New England too much in terms of them being Foxborough Easton and all of this, but um, I still think the the chaos that that exists in that locker room and the front office and everything is 
They're doing their best, but I, I just don't see it. I don't think I don't think any of the roots that have been set down over the last three years. I think they're all gone, and they're just kind of flapping in the wind at the moment. I think the crew go in and smash them. Absolutely mm. smash them. Give me three zero. C that's a CFD. Well, it's a big engine that just behind us. Um, Columbus Fire. Right behind us here at Saucy Brew Works, they totally agree with the yeah. with the license yeah. sirens. Yeah. Why they're honking? Three zero crew wow. on the road. They go and drill revs. Okay. In well, Foxborough. Not expecting that. Hashtag Massachusetts Easton. Murph. Two one crew. I Two think, one crew. I think they do take advantage of that chaos, just not as much as Brett. Sam. I'm going to go uh, a little bit of Brett, a little bit of Murph, and I'm going to say 3-1 crew. And I think uh, in honor of the shirt that I'm wearing, it's going to be Cucho, Ramirez, and uh, Diego Rossi all starting this game. That's one an the, awesome shirt, one by of the, the way. Is, it, is that official? Is that official that licensed merchandise? Homage official bought from the uh, stadium I shirt. I like that. One of the, great all, one of the all-time great collabs uh, with the original OG crew, crew logo with Cucho. Oh, Rossi and Christian Ramirez. Shout out to everybody involved with that. It's beautiful. 10 out of 10. It's beautiful. It's I perfection personified. Yeah. And, um, you know, hashtag shut up and take my money. Dot, dot <laughs> yeah. GIF, yeah. Um, with that, that, was, that was pretty much what I did. Word, baby. All right. Uh, I'm going to say 3-2 crew. I just don't trust this team on the road to not leak some goals at yeah. some point. So I think it's going to be a wide-open, entertaining match, 3-2 crew. All right, let's do it again with Atlanta on Saturday down there at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Brett. So Chris Rock in, once said that nobody goes to Hooters for Where wings. Where is he going with this? <laughs> Starts with, Chris Rock said, nobody goes to Hooters for wings. And while there might be no sex in the champagne room, there is always success <laughs> in Atlanta for the Columbus crew. <laughs> Wow. I love wow. the, this game. This it's it's a top three road trip in MLS. It's one of my favorites for all the shenanigans that we got into. And no, I did not you know partake in any Magic City attendance at any point during sure. my my Columbus Crew broadcasting tenure. Uh, that's true, actually. Um, but there's something about Atlanta that I think really works for the team. Maybe it's the 45 minute flight that they get on. I don't know. Whatever it is. Um, Back and forth, crazy affair. I think two, two twos in the equation, three threes in the equation. Mm. But give me three, three draw with Atlanta. I have no idea who scores, but I would not be shocked to see one of the crazier games we've seen in a long mm. time mm -hmm. with the Columbus crew. Murph? Again, I agree with a lot of what Brett said. Not as extreme. I'm going to go two, two. Two, two. Sam? So I think um, Atlanta's going to have some bad blood to take out after that 6-1 to one loss. Mm. And they're going to come out, and they might go high-risk, high-reward, which puts two teams at high-risk, high-reward, which could lead to a 3-3 yeah. or a 2-2. Two, two. Unfortunately, I think, I'm gonna, I think the crew are going to drop this one 2-1. Okay. I think the crew lose on Saturday 3-2. We can't possibly win two games on the road in a row. It just in the same week. I, I, I literally don't, don't know the last time that's happened off the top of my head. Given the own institutional knowledge that I have, and if, if Neil Sika, the, you know, the, the memory bank crazy right. you know, kind of librarian that he is, <laughs> I would put him on the spot that he probably wouldn't be able to remember the last time they went back and back just, on the road. I can't go there. but I think there's a decent, relatively decent chance that it could oh, happen. All right. Well, I think the range of outcomes here could be fairly wide. I agree. So I think with the goals 
become uh, chaos. Also, so real quick, uh, today is October, what, October 2nd? But the moratorium in which, uh, the moratorium or embargo that I have to be able to bet on MLS ends here in the next couple of weeks, which is really exciting because I will never bet MLS. But um, if you are freaking crazy, if you are someone who enjoys partaking in, in the betting, skip these next three games because I have no idea what's going to happen. Absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's probably good Other than advice. the Elmo Chaos GIF. Yeah. GIF. Um, which I think is what we're going to get. <laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. We're going to get out of here. Uh, like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast. Thanks to our friends at Saucy Brew Works for letting us move tables around and arranging ourselves in the middle of everybody. <laughs> is that your bike there, Murph? It's not my bike. Oh, okay. I was going to say it's in the way, but it's not your bike. So yeah. it's not really I actually thought that when I walked in as well, but no, it's not mine. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll work around it. Uh, Sam, thank you, as always, for making us sound great. We're going to get out of here. Like and subscribe, as I say. Thanks to Saucy Brewworks, as I just said. Listen to my radio station, CD 92.9. I appreciate it. For Brett, for Murph, for Sam, I'm Brian. And we'll talk to you next week on the Massport Pod.